Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with a couple of special guests, Rob. Hello. And Barrett. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Barrett, you guys have heard before on the podcast. I don't believe you guys have heard about Rob. Rob is very active on our Slack. He goes by, well, currently, Eerie Stottle because it's, you know, Halloween theme. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So glad to have you on for the first time, Rob. And so I guess why the three of us are together is we're going to talk about Con of the Rings 2019 because all three of us attended it this year. And so we're going to talk about Con of the Rings 2019 because we all attended this con together. And then we'll probably also, in this conversation, talk a little bit about Lord of the Rings the card game because we all have very different experiences. Uh, I've played Lord of the Rings the card game for a number of years now and I believe, Rob, you've, you've done as well. And Baron is... Pretty new to it. That is correct. I, I'm pretty much a brand new person at this game, but oh boy, I learned a lot. And you decided to go a con that is dedicated to this game. Yep, and it was a blast. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm so glad to have this difference of experiences to talk about this uh, convention. So we'll jump into that real quick, but before, uh, let's talk about what everyone's up to. So, Barrett, what's new with you? Well, some big news that you guys have already announced. I've actually now partnered up with you guys on One Stop Co-op Shop. So Meet Me at the Table is now partnered with One Stop Co-op Shop. I'm throwing a huge campaign for Kingdom Death. And it's probably going to take, I would guess, oh, six months to a year to get through. But we will have a blast going through it. Of course, all my stuff can also be found on my own channel as well. But just if you're interested in all this fun stuff coming out, just stay on One Stop Co-op Shop. Hey, Rob, what have you been up to? I convinced a, a friend who played Arkham Horror, the LCG, to try out Lord of the Rings with me, and he also came to the con, and we decided to start uh, playing through the history of the game from the beginning. We just finished the first cycle. Uh, I'm really excited for Marvel Champions to come out here in a little over a week. I'm about to go on vacation to go see some family, and uh, I'm about to start uh, an RPG group of uh, Tachyon squad Squadron, which is a, a fate system game that i'm really excited for very cool sounds fun let's jump into con of the rings 2019 this convention is specifically geared towards a lord of the rings living card game and it is player created meaning it's not officially sponsored but players decided to go through all the work of getting the space at the fancy flight event center and setting up this fun event and this is the second year they've done it and i was lucky enough to go to the first year and i believe uh rob and baron is this year's guys first First year, though I backed it the fir or first year that they started. Oh, you backed but you didn't attend? Yeah, I had uh, something come up at the last minute that I wasn't able to attend for, but they were gracious enough to send me the swag. Oh, nice, nice. Yes, this was my first time. I had never been to a Lord of the Rings. I actually think at the time I probably hadn't even played the game yet. Oh, and you signed up? That's <laughs> amazing. Cool. Well, yeah, like I said, this is a big convention. Uh, it's probably like around, well, not big convention. It's like one around 100, 100 plus people. Uh, probably less than 150 at this point, I think. That sounds about right, yeah, from what we saw. But yeah, it's great because it's at the convention center. We got the whole room to ourselves, and you just everyone's there to play. You know this this great game, and you know everyone likes the game, so it makes it really easy to talk to people, and everyone's real friendly. But anyway, let's just jump in. So for me specifically, I flew in on Thursday. The event was actually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I flew in early Thursday, and I got to meet up with Barrett, which was awesome because. He picked me up at the airport, went to his place, and we sat down and played a game I, that I haven't played before, 
was Madara. Yes, you did. And you loved it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty fun. I liked it a lot. Yeah, we played the first two scenarios, I believe. Is that correct? That is correct. It was just the first two little intro scenarios they have. If anybody's ever played the game before, we did the first mass things for the actual campaign of the game, just to get a feet wet, see what it's like. But then I at least was able to show you at least some of the other stuff that unfolds as the game goes forward, like different kind of cards and creation of characters and things. Yeah, there's a ton of content in the game. It's crazy. So, yeah, I was super happy to be able to actually play the game and also sit down at uh, Baron's table. So I got to actually meet Baron at his table. <laughs> this is true. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, yes, you did. We got to play Madar. It's still up. Uh, right now, it's still my game of the year. That's awesome. Rob, what, what did you do? The first day. Uh, did you come well, in Thursday I... or you came in late, later? Oh, actually, no. I came in on Friday. Oh, okay. uh, my friend and I that... Uh, that came with me. We woke up at like 4 a.m. Uh, we live in northern Illinois, so the drive was a little over five hours, and we got there, you know, not quite at the at the start of the con, but just a couple hours after the start. We met up with a couple people that we had met from Gen Con in the uh, Cardboard of the Rings After Dark event that we had been talking to a little bit um, and coordinating decks somewhat, like not really building together, but uh, just, you know, general deck strength. And, uh, you know, we just sat down and as soon as we got there and immediately started playing and just played through the day. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you guys did probably more planning than we did. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I felt like we built decks, but we didn't really coordinate very much. <laughs> so I think we were planning on coordinating a little bit more like that evening, Thursday night evening, and maybe even Friday morning. But, you know, like, oh, there's other games, other things we want to do. So that kind of <laughs> distracted us a little bit. <laughs> but actually, we had a really uh, funny thing happen where Barrent and I were heading towards Colin's house, because Colin lives nearby, too. <laughs> uh, and so we drive over there, and we're trying to navigate, and he's at his new house. We've not been there before. So we pull the neighborhood. He's like, oh, you know what? I think it's around in some place. We get out of the car, and we go up to his front door, and we ring the front doorbell. And it's one of these uh, ring devices that got a camera on it. And so we're all like waving at the camera and being silly and all this fun stuff. And I'm like, he's not answering the door. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and so I text him on my phone, you know, ding dong. And pretty soon we like look around and Baron happens to know, like, wait, is that Colin over at that other house down the street, little boy? He's like, yep, it is. That <laughs> <laughs> was fantastic. <laughs> So, yeah, apparently his neighbor has a nice video of us acting like fools outside his door. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, we did meet up with uh, Colin and then headed to the con the next morning. But yeah, we sat down with our buddy Terrence. He was there with us. We had a table in the back. So with uh, Bay Orange was nearby with us and some other uh, Austin Lord of the Rings players. The convention is set up so that... All the players are trying to play through similar quests at the same time. You don't have to play the same quest at a time, but we can collectively try to meet these these uh, climatic moments. And once we beat the climatic moments, it, we unlock, quote-unquote, more quests to play. I mean, you can do whatever you want, of course, but that's kind of what the, the theme of the convention is set to. Right, the spirit of the con. Correct. Thank you. And so this year, the theme was to play through the Agmar cycle and a little bit of Grey Havens. And so the Agmar cycle is this like spooky haunted ghost setting where you are up in the how do you describe this location up up in the wilderness um, oh, I can't I can't actually think of where it takes place specifically 
I believe it's up where like the rangers reside and protect the advancing evil from from the north. So it, interestingly, I hadn't played that cycle before coming to Con of the Rings. Oh, it was your first time playing it. So what did that you cycle, think? That cycle, yeah. What did you think of the cycle? Well, uh, Karn Doom was super fun. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> I think we'll get to that one. So just for listeners' knowledge, Karn Doom is widely regarded as the most difficult quest in the entire game. <laughs> so that was one of those climactic moments. Uh, I think it was Saturday. I liked it, though. Um, you know, at uh, the, the time of year that we're playing and all of the quests seemed really focused on um, undead creatures and it was all spooky and crypty and it was super thematic it felt really good what do you think about that Baron? i really like the fact that i didn't know too much about it so going there was like okay we're playing this quest I'm like okay and so everything that came out was obviously new to me i didn't exactly know how to react to stuff but i thought it was really cool how they had that board that showed you what quests were were going to be played and then they had like achievements you could try so we could be like oh hey we can do this but in order to get the super achievement, we have to not do this. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just not do that. And then you guys would laugh at me like, we're never going to make it if we try that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's not. <laughs> so I really enjoyed how all that was set up. And you could play whatever you wanted to, or else you could just kind of play what they had suggested. And I think we did a little bit of both, which was really good because I was still kind of learning. So it was fun to be able to learn on a couple of the easier ones. And then we started diving into some of those bigger ones. And how many games would you have said you played before... Uh, attending Con of the Rings. That that would be uh, two, Steve. Two. That would be how many that <laughs> you, was there. You played two games of Lord of the Rings and then decided to play a three, almost full day event of playing that game over and over and over again. It's one of my most played games now. <laughs> That's because it's the best game that exists. <laughs> yeah, it, that'll do it. I do rack up a lot of plays <laughs> at these cons. So... <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it was really cool to be able to learn a lot of stuff. I mean, I made sure to understand the game. I played one solo by myself, and then Terrence and I had kind of played online. At least he was able to understand how all the different phases worked. Even though you read the rules, sometimes it's a lot easier to see a game in action. So I didn't want to go there completely as a noob, not knowing how to play. So at least I had an idea of, and structure of the game. But everything was going to be new no matter what happened, which is what was really cool about this. Well, yeah, and all, the other thing is the scenarios are pretty varied, too, especially the later quests. I feel like they did a really good job making them feel distinct from each other. You know, I, I did do some of the competitive event, and um, I'm as far as board games go, I'm, I'm relatively new to solo and co-op games, and my history is, is largely um, X-Wing competitive play. Oh, sweet. And uh, I, uh, I stopped playing that when I had a kid, which is how I got into Lord of the Rings, you know, I... Wouldn't have time to go to large competitive events anymore, but I still really wanted a game. Uh, it was my first time playing a solo game. I love, you know, Lord of the Rings, the the theme. I, I started playing Netrunner a little bit right before the game was officially canceled. You know, playing the competitive events of Lord of the Rings, like, really reminded me what I love about cooperative games. Just because, you know, trying to build a competitive deck for, like, a tournament format is... If you make the wrong meta call, you're you're kind of stuck, right, with that deck for the rest of the tournament. And if you're not having fun just because you're getting wrecked on the whole time, then that's it, you know. So we played two competitive uh, format quests and, you know, pretty much called it quits after that because we made terrible calls with our decks and, you know, we were there to have fun, right, and play this cooperative game that all of us love so much. Now, being a uh, two-time actual player of this game can you explain a little bit on how 
competitive version of Lord of the Rings works? Because I've obviously only ever played cooperative. So uh, competitive play is something that FFG has tried to, you know, have for this game for a long time, even since the beginning of the game, you know, because they didn't really know what to do as far as organized play communities were concerned. And uh, originally it was based on, you know, victory points and how much health you had and how much threat you had, etc. And it never really took off because, you know, uh, the community mostly just kind of felt like if you win the quest, you win, right? And if you have fun, then you're having fun. Q last year for Gen Con and the Fellowship event, FFG came up with these custom scenario quests uh, where you could build the quest to your you know, to your standard. There were, there were deck building rules as far as like points involved. Uh, there's, you know, quick build rules to make it simpler, but essentially you can build these quests however way you want. And there's, you know, even different win cons in them. Like um, you could design your quest for threading out or for location lock or, you know, just straight up killing. And the, the idea is that uh, you could do it, you know, in, in different ways, 1v1, 4v4, but Kind of the the accepted format is that you're a team of two and you build you build your scenario and then you hand it off and trade with another team of two and then you know the group that wins the quest uh, with fewer uh, rounds is the winner and then there's tiebreakers and so forth. In practice, what that really means is who can last longer because I think even the people that were winning the tournaments were not necessarily beating the quests uh, to full completion, but um, so that's kind of the, the competitive mode, and I I just lo I love the idea of it, and I love the idea of, um, of of making this something that competitive players could get into. I just I didn't love it for the con, but you know I really wish it was something that existed early on in the the game's life because it's it's been really popular and really. Like, given organized play, something to kind of rally behind. Well, kind of the beauty of the format is you can do so many things with it, right? You can you can build the quest to, to test, you know, a specific kind of player deck you want to play. Or you can use it for, you know, organized competitive play or, or whatever, right? Definitely. It's just, it, was, it was a really brilliant design, design uh, choice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a, one of those options at the con. But like you said, we... I didn't play it at this con. You don't have to play competitive if you don't want to, but yeah, it's definitely an option. And there's a lot of other events that we probably won't even mention because there's just a lot going on. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You just grab random like scenarios and just kind of stick them together. And uh, this one way to do it, creating a random scenario, or do they actually have packs of random scenario card type things you can pull? There are specifically two packs that are compatible with each other. And in uh, typical FFG fashion, you have to buy three copies of, of each pack <laughs> to get the full playset to to your to do your you know your custom quest. And then uh, they're doing the same thing this year, uh, which was the Gen Con this year. And well, I say this year, but the next Fellowship's not going to be out until May 2020. Uh, but those two are also going to be compatible with each other to build quests, but they're not compatible with the ones from last year. So the ones from last year, the two quests are kind of following the the first cycles, cards, and themes. And then this year and next years that are going to be compatible with each other are kind of following the the cards and themes from the Dwarf cycle. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much for all that education. Because I, I honestly, that's kind of stuff I didn't really know too much about. <laughs> they don't make it easy. <laughs> 
So yeah, lots of events at Con of the Rings, but the big one that was everyone's looking forward to on Friday was the Siege of Anuminas. So what this is, it was as a climatic epic mode for the game. So what FFG did, and they did it for an, another one. I think it's a Attack on Gold, on Gold Dolgor. Yeah, and that was one year, and then they did it again for the Siege of Numenos, and it takes the four-player version of Lord of the Rings and it expands it to three games of four players. So it's essentially a twelve-player game at max player count. And what happens is. All these groups, they play almost independently, but the results of how they're playing affect each other group at the table. And so all 12 people are working together to try to achieve this this goal. And for the siege, it specifically is, we are manning a, a castle. This enemy force, overwhelming enemy force, is coming to attack attack this, this fortress that we're behind. And so you have a group of people that are actually in the fort, group of people outside the fort at the levee and a group of people that are even further out and so there are these big boss guys that emerge at the far ends outside the fort and then they'll the first group will have to try and manage this and eventually they'll move into the, the levee part just outside the the fort and then they'll have to try and manage that same guy and even further they'll go, go into the actual fort itself and that's where they'll start damaging the the city and the city of Anumas falls everyone loses the game yeah so that was my first time playing that quest and uh, i have to say the the epic multiplayer f format i had reservations about it but it ended up being, being a blast yeah i love epic play in this it was so much fun i really like how they the different groups interact so one thing this quest does specifically is if you are able to do well enough to put enough progress on your quest card your quest card can then trigger abilities for the other other teams. So, for example, what Baron and I, we were in the, the levy one in the middle, and so we could actually buy uh, fellow Dunedain, so fellow allies that would help or come to play for each other team. So we would have additional help when the big bad guys came down. And other people, they can, like, build barracks or walls, or they can heal other people or have them draw more cards or give them more resources. So it's really interesting, once you play through your round, you kind of pause for a second, everyone talks, and say, oh yeah, we're really struggling with with getting our cards out. Okay, have another resource per, for a hero, and then go ahead and draw a card. And that gives that, that team a really big boost. So hopefully they can then help manage the, the situation better. What did you think of this play, Barrent? I thought actually it was really cool. Uh, some of the stuff I enjoyed was the fact that, of course, like you said, you're playing all in as a group, but at the same time, you have to make sure that the other people are still faring okay. Like, we were in the middle, so it's kind of neat to hear the two perspectives on both sides. We had one group that just seemed to be getting slaughtered by about everything that was coming at them. That was that first group. And eventually, this, like, giant random amount of orcs just comes pouring out, and they come right down the line. And if the front group doesn't finish them off, they just keep on bouncing until they get to the end, and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And so we were lucky enough to kind of keep those at bay. The front group did a really good job of taking care of that and then we were able to at least if it did come to us take care of it again and it never really got too far down if i remember right but i and it's cool that all this stuff worked with each other so like you're saying oh i'll give a resource to this guy have that guy draw a card does anybody need healing yeah my guy's hurt okay you can heal one okay fantastic so it's really kind of cool how was it like on your end of this one all the way at the end because i didn't really catch what was going on down there uh, it was great. So um, we played with Colin and uh, the friend that I brought with me. 
and we played uh, these these three decks together a couple times at the con. I was playing a um, a Sentinel defense deck. My friend was playing a heavy attack deck, and Colin had a, a questing and support Noldor deck. And our our decks just really really sang together. And you know honestly, we we weren't having a really we weren't really struggling with the quest. Maybe you know a couple times, you know we had some good plays, but um it but. I really liked, you know, the the ability to kind of take what we are doing and affect the other board states. So we were playing the the portion where we're defending the walls. It was really satisfying to get those extra fortifications to to kind of boost everybody up earlier in quest. Yeah, I really like this format of play. It's it feels very different, and it really does seem to satisfy the epic label to it. Because every time I've tried it, it's been epic. Even if we fail, it's been an epic failure too. So, <laughs> yeah, it really delivered on the epic label. <laughs> if you guys want to know a little bit more about this epic play and how it works, Colin is crazy but awesome in that he's actually trying to play epic mode on the channel today or as we speak. So he's got a couple of videos up there now where he is trying to manage all three stages with a bunch of different <laughs> decks by himself. <laughs> so, if you're interested, go check it out. I primarily play this game solo. I just recently started playing it with multiplayer. And when I play solo, I play true solo. Because I feel like this game, you know, there's enough going on trying to manage the board state. Sometimes the board state in this game can get really big and you miss triggers. I can't, I can't imagine trying to play six decks all together in Epic Multiplayer. <laughs> yeah i tend to play true solo as well and just for our listeners what we mean by true solo is I mean we're playing with one deck i mean just three heroes against the scenario a lot of players do play dual-handed meaning they play two separate decks against the scenario but it's just one player playing it and that's a very popular format because with with two decks you have 100 cards to deck build with and you can really have one deck kind of leverage certain aspects it's easier to manage rather than trying to cram that all into one deck but yeah i'm like you uh rob i, I like one deck i only really have one deck and that's the one that actually i brought to the con it has aragorn arwen and it also has glorfindel and it was basically just a straight quest deck. I didn't really know too much about going into it, so I thought, I'll just bring a quest deck. I think I played it, like, twice, and then by that time, Colin started handing me decks to play because he's like, oh, you got to try this one. Oh, you got to try this one. <laughs> and it was actually really awesome because I like to experience all these great decks. And right now, I'm really digging that Gandalf card. That card seemed pretty awesome. Play with your deck open, like the first card flipped up. Oh, man, that was pretty awesome. Gandalf here is a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, he is amazing. Yeah, I brought a couple weird decks because i like building weird decks <laughs> so one of them i built was a, a glowing deck and the whole purpose of the deck is to absorb damage so i have cards <laughs> in there where you get I, paid to do it yeah exactly you paid to do it i want other players to take undefended attacks and i take all the damage they would receive and the interesting thing about glowing is every time he gets damage he gets a resource and so I take all these resources and heal up glowing. And if I have extra resources, I give them out if I have leftovers. But I'm all trying. I'm just trying to soak up as much attacks as possible. It's a very defensive uh, style play. And the other deck I brought was a Dune here deck, which is actually in the core set. And it's all about letting Dune here uh, attack the staging area. So that's kind of fun. I like hiding the shadows and sniping from a distance every once in a while with him. It's kind of fun. Yeah, attacking the staging area is a lot of fun. At least you can attack it with your cards because you don't have to use any dexterity, like, thing or anything. <laughs> yes, I am horrible <laughs> at dexterity. <laughs> yep. I brought a few decks. I, I actually, I brought my whole card pool with me since we were driving, but 
I found that, uh, you know, because I was, like, just thinking, well, you know, I'm going to want to tech, and there's going to be different stuff I want to try, and the only quest I ended up teching for was Karn Doom, and only a couple of cards, really, but I brought, I think, four four decks with me. Uh, primarily, I was playing a Sentinel uh, Spirit Dying deck, which I just absolutely love. I think he's... He's definitely my favorite defender in the game right now, and maybe one of my favorite heroes. I brought a location control deck that um, also has, um, oh, I can't remember who it is. It's, a, I believe, a Sylvan lore scout who can attack the staging area, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I brought just a, uh, an Outlands deck just for the, <laughs> the Monosphere achievement for, for the con. And then a Sylvan deck, which was a lot of fun. It was my first time playing a Sylvan deck, too, and I liked it a lot. I love Sylvan Dicks. It was so much fun. I want to elaborate on something Rob mentioned. That was the achievements and how he decided to bring a mono sphere deck. So we mentioned this earlier. We mentioned it here, but I should explain this a little bit more. So on this board of all the quests you have to play, people go and write their, their team's names or individual names on there when they complete a quest. Kind of fun to see what everyone's playing, what everyone's doing. But next to it, they normally have two achievements. And so you can play the quest normally and win and write your name on it. Cool. But if you do these achievements, which tries to do something weird with a deck, try and make normally makes it make, makes it pretty hard to be honest. And then you can write your name on that part and go up and get your name entered into the raffles because during all three days at regular intervals, they're giving away promos and other stuff for the con, which is really fun. But yeah, it's really cool to try to achieve these weird achievements, and some of them are pretty pretty fun and clever, like the siege one we already talked about. One achievement was to try to wipe out all those big bosses before they're able to move to the second stage. So that's a really big challenge. And I think we... Did we achieve both achievements for the Siege of Anumanos when we played? I don't remember what the second one was offhand. Do you remember? I know we achieved one, and I'm pretty sure we achieved two, but I don't remember for sure. I tried to pull up a picture of the of the achievements lists, but I can't find any uh, high high fidelity ones anywhere. <laughs> Oh, was the second achievement having the city at above a certain health? Maybe. I think so. I think so. And we killed that. We barely took any damage. I think we only got down to the mid-40s by the end of the quest. Yeah, the first team, when Terrence is part of the first team, and Bayorn and some of the other Austin guys, they were wrecking house with those boss guys coming out. I don't know how they managed. Nice. I mean, granted, we, we were sending them a lot of card draw and resources to help with that, but man, they were... They were doing a good job. Yeah, I didn't really... I was on the other end, like Barrett said earlier, and I didn't really get to see or hear about what the the FAR team was really doing, which, you know, I'd love to, to play the quest again and, and kind of get the different roles. They were usually just sitting up there trying to figure out any way possible to not have that guy move down, along with trying to keep <laughs> themselves alive. So like, like Steve said, they were really just giving them as much resources, make card draws they could get, because we knew if anything started bouncing, it was going to start being really bad news. I'll just mention real quick that uh, after Friday, we did meet up together, a bunch of us, and we played a game of Marvel Champions. So that was fun to, to play more living card games, because, you know what, we didn't have enough the rest of the day, apparently. <laughs> so we came back Saturday morning, and one of the cool things that happened Saturday was Caleb Grace and Matt Newman couple of the designs for Lord of the Rings Living Card Games stopped by. So we had a chance to interview them and just chat with them. They're really cool guys. But one of the biggest things that everyone's aiming for for Saturday, the climatic quest, was Battle of Karn Doom. This is something we mentioned earlier. A lot of folks regard this as being the most difficult quest in the game. 
And why we say that is because there is a big bad boss man. And what he does is he will create this big army. This, these All these enemies will come out. And he's got two sides to him. On one side, the army stays back. And he winds up giving them what, what's called shadow cards. And shadow cards are just cards that you take from the bad deck. You put a face down next to them. And they normally give them a, a boost of some kind. Some of them don't do anything. But most of the time that's a boost of, of bad effects. And so they'll stack up all this huge number of cards. And then he'll eventually flip over to the other side. And this huge horde of army that's fully powered comes smashing down on, on everyone. <laughs> it makes it pretty challenging because not only do you have to deal with this army that gets built up and comes smashing down on you, but you need to you know quest through things and manage a threat. You have to you really have to do the whole shebang while this huge army is attacking you. It is very challenging. But for this particular one, I teamed up with Rob actually, and I borrowed uh, Colin's deck. So we sat down and we played uh, the three of us together, and we actually managed to get through it. And just barely. So this was your first play of Cardoon, right, Rob? What did you think of it? It was, it was my first play. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about it, kind of on the peripheries. You know, no one really specifically talking about why it's so difficult, but always that it is extremely difficult. I, I talked to a few people later on on Friday and, and early on on Saturday. One of the things we heard about the quest primarily was, you know, the shadow effects and how much the shadow effects build up. We teched a little bit for it, just to include some some extra, you know, search. I like I said, I brought that that Sentinel Dying deck with me. I teched in Burning Brand and uh, Narvi's Belt to get him to just tank all of those uh, those shadow effects, and it worked really well. And then with Colin's deck, you know, you had the the support, particularly the uh, the threat reduction, which we really needed because I got to 49 threat at one point in the game. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it was really it was really fun, really challenging, and what I really liked about it is it really tested your decision making skills, because I felt like every round we played, we really had to really think about you know what were the best choices for engagements, who to defend with what, uh, and you know what kind of shadow effects we were willing to let slip through, because as good as you know Dyne was, I only had so much writing on him, so we still definitely had to to take some some um attacks with shadow effects and it was just it was it, it was such a great game that really highlighted you know the the decision making in the game because you know some people will say that lord of the rings the card game is really just about building quests or excuse me building decks and that from that point on it you know it's basically autopilot but i i challenge those players to really think about all of the decisions they're making in every in every uh phase of the game because and it really challenged it, and I, I really enjoyed the quest. And just to elaborate a little bit more, and some of our listeners may not be familiar with the terminology, but like Sentinel, what that means is you can block for other people. So effectively what Rob was doing with Dine is have this huge blocker, and he's just taking all, taking all the attacks. And with his Burning Brand, he's able to ignore or cancel those shadow effects, which is a huge boost into surviving this. And so, yeah, this is definitely teching for the quest, for sure. But this is the hardest quest in the game. You kind of, you kind of have to do it. <laughs> so, and you know, we we got a little lucky because our our mulligans. You know, the game affords everybody one mulligan, and you know that second mulligan, or excuse me, the first mulligan that we took that second hand, uh, it, it got all of those key cards that we needed to to get set up, and we were all set up. I think by the second round, which which really allowed us the board state to get through the quest. But even then, you know, it was pretty much by the skin of your teeth every round it felt like oh definitely 
So, Baron, what was your experience with Karn Doom? My experience with Karn Doom? Well, as far as I could tell, there's this big bad guy that flipped back and forth and caused a lot of mass chaos and death and destruction. But Colin and I were the only two that played. I played with Colin. It was really awesome to play with Colin on this one because he was able to at least kind of point me in directions of what I should be working on and trying to get my deck to be doing against this kind of quest because if I was just going in blind there would have been no way I would have made it through this thing. <laughs> so I had brought, he had actually, this is the time I'm starting to use that Gandalf deck with Elrond and Vilia and so I was able to get that ring out, get the staff out, the pipe out, so a lot of this stuff was where I was supposed to be. Colin was using Grim Bjorn and he was doing that, he was doing the Sentinel thing, he was kind of hoping to take a lot of this damage. And, of course, all those shadow cards piling upon piling was absolutely out of control, but he was able to boost his character because of every dead eagle. He was able to gain, like, more power and more defense, so he was able to hold and take a lot more damage. So that was how we kind of were able to get through this quest. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, again, for listeners, uh, Elrond with Vilya, he lets you play your top card of your deck just for free. You do that once, once around. And with Gandalf, you're able to control your top deck and then see it. So that's, that's for a lot of fun there. Yeah, that deck was a lot of fun to play. Being able to see what that card was and being able to play it was just huge. I mean, anytime you needed something, you could pull something from your hand back on top of that deck and then use the ring to play it. Or you could just use the character itself to quest or to fight or defend whatever you needed him to do. It was. I lost my, my third guy almost like immediately. He was gone. It was just a two-person <laughs> deck at about turn two. <laughs> so was this maybe your favorite deck that you played during your uh, time of the con of the ring experiment that is a great question it's definitely up there i think i like that one and i also like the shipwright deck that uh, i had tried from colin it was very similar to what i think i was trying to do with my deck but he has such a larger card pool to pull from that i think that was more where i was trying to go so it's kind of cool to build this kind of neat questing deck that still could do other things on top of that which mine kind of lacked in that aspect there wasn't a lot of other things it could really do so it was kind of cool to see where my deck could evolve into and it was also cool to see all these other decks out there like the grim bjorn deck i would have never thought anything like that not a, i didn't even know anything like that existed let alone being able to build something like that so it was really cool to see that plus the other characters people were playing with like uh Terrence and the other guys all had their own decks too and they were showing off kind of what these decks could do and where they're coming from when they thought of building them so it's just so neat to see what is possible in this game there's just so much My, myself I own the first cycle and two core boxes and that's it and I can't just I can it, it, there's just it, the amount of stuff is just astronomical that you could even think of doing with this game oh for sure I, I've been playing it for I don't know how many years now more than 300 plays and I still am finding new concepts to explore yeah and you know they're, the game is going to be taking a hiatus shortly, but the card pool is so large, and I feel like we really have so many deck archetypes that are just super fun to play, and I'm always exploring new new ideas. And then contracts, and then contracts are totally changing the way I'm thinking about decks like tremendously, and I'm really excited to see you know, just how much they're going to change the game. So where are these contracts you speak of? So contracts are a new thing introduced in the most current cycle of the game, and they're fundamentally breaking and changing the ways you can build a deck. So we only have two that we know about right now. And so far, these both of these contracts are, are cards that tell you certain restrictions that you place on building your deck and a certain goal to achieve playing the deck. And then once that goal is achieved, 
uh, your deck gains some sort of boost. Like, for instance, the Fellowship contract is you're only allowed to include unique allies in your deck. And then once you have played nine unique characters, including your heroes, then they all get boosted. And then the other contract that we know about, Fourth Three Hunters, is you cannot play any allies, but you're allowed more restricted attachments than you would normally be allowed. And then once you've achieved so many attachments on your heroes, then they all get boosted and get inherent uh, healing effects. And so these contracts are, are, like I said, they're breaking and changing the ways you can even build your decks at all, which are just, you know, opening up so much space to explore. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to see what they take this. It's fun to have some goal you can trigger in the middle of the game to get a boost of it. Cause definitely. It's almost like a mini achievement. Exactly. Yeah, and normally how I like to build decks, I like to find some card I haven't used before or haven't seen work effectively, and I try to build a deck around making that card or that concept the best it can be. Whether it's a hero or some random event card, whatever it has to be, that's, that's what I like doing. And so taking that same idea and applying it to this mini goal in the middle of the game, it very much aligns with how I like to build. Definitely. The other thing that's really awesome about attending Con the Rings is the swag. So normally Saturday, they'll, they'll pause play for a little bit and they'll give away some cool custom swag for everyone who attends. And this year they made these really awesome deck boxes. They made the they're like of a, a wood deck box. There's a light colored wood color one and a black one with the black ones for like your bad encounter deck and the, the light wood ones for your player deck and it's awesome artwork on it really really cool really impressed with what they did this year and honestly every year they tend to have really good swag and they also gave away uh, first player tokens with it too yeah you know this this game doesn't have a lot of organized play support from ffg so a lot of the players especially the newer ones that have only joined the game in the last couple of years don't have that um, that kind of you know extra to to bling up their game that players of other FFG games have. So it's really awesome when community members kind of go the extra mile to provide play mats, you know, deck boxes, tokens, so forth. Oh, definitely. And it's fun to see at Con of the Rings too. A lot of these people have been playing the game for a while, and so they've collected a lot of the swag. And you look across a table, and like everyone has just custom everything laid out. It's really, really cool to see. And so many, so many, you know, major community contributors will bring, bring their own stuff that they just made and will just hand out too. You know, like alt arts and, um, and and tokens, etc. And that's really great to see too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, call me a materialist, but when I'm playing a game, especially solo. Um, I just I, I want to immerse myself as much as I can and every every like addition that I can make to achieve that is worth it to me you know from the tactility of the tokens to the play mat I'm playing on right I totally agree with you that's that it does bring out the game a little bit more than just seeing it on a table with just some little cardboard on it and so other things that happened Saturday was the group photo which is always fun to do and some trivia which is <laughs> it's always based upon Lord of the Rings card game. It's fun to see what your knowledge base is. They always has fun questions. Yeah, it's just a good time. And then towards the end of Saturday, people were transitioning out of the Agmar cycle, the spooky haunted cycle, into a sailing cycle. And I didn't play any of these specifically because we were focused on other other games at the time, other parts of the quest. But I know, uh, Rob, you, you played this, right? 
yeah, I played a couple from the Dream Chaser cycle, and you know, it's it's one of my favorite cycles in the game, maybe my favorite altogether. They just really nailed, you know, what you can do with the base mechanics and how you can make it different. And um, the the theme for that cycle is sailing, and it just it, you know, it it's a remarkable like how little you can do with a card game to capture different themes and and actually make it feel like you and your group is, you know, sailing a fleet of ships and getting boarded by pirates and it's just it's just a blast. I was pretty spellbound when I first heard this announced like wait, we're taking this Lord of the Rings living card game which has always been like people on foot or on horseback or whatever, you know, going around a land a bunch of land and, you know, doing it going adventures, right? And then like wait a second, we're going sailing now? How is this going to work and you're totally right. It, they did. They made this thing actually work, and you feel like you're on a boat. You have to navigate and worry about waters, and there's pirates are boarding you, and you have to take down their ships. It's, it's a really awesome cycle. And it's amazing because it's still. I mean, it's still definitely the Lord of the Rings card game mechanics. You know, they're not. Yes. They're not really changing anything, but what they're able to achieve, you know, with just just some quest setup and and encounter decks, right? It's just. It's remarkable. Is this one of their newer sets that they're... Is this, like, the latest, uh, what do you call it, cycle that they've created? Uh, it's their fourth most most recent, okay. if you include the current one. So it's at least three or four years old, I feel like, at this point. Yeah, it's not that it's not new anymore, but I think this is a really good example of what makes, well, not just Lord of the Rings, the living card game, great, but, like, LCGs in general, great. Because they do this for really the other LCGs too in various forms, where they could take this, you know, base system and apply these interesting scenarios and predicaments to really make the game shine. Definitely, I'm really excited to see what they do with Marvel Champions in that regard, also. Oh, very true. I'm super excited to see what that comes. You know, um, once upon a time, the Star Wars LCG was going to be a co-op game, and I'd still love to see that. And I feel like. The Dream Chaser cycle is a great example of how they could institute uh, starships. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this on Saturday night we went back to uh, Colin's place and we, we played uh, Project Elite, which is a game that's been on my bucket list to play for a while because Colin loves that game. So this is a real-time miniature moving dice checker, just fun tower defense game. Yeah, it's my actually second time playing it to be honest, but my first time playing it, it was a not a very good experience. I don't know if we knew the rules very well, and it was just it was difficult to get through. But uh, Colin did a good job teaching it, and yeah, I had fun with this one. I really enjoyed it as well. It was a really good time to play that kind of game because we just played how many hours of Lord of the Rings for two days straight to be able to sit down and just be like, all right, just roll your dice real fast, run around, kill some aliens, try not to get killed, okay, go, roar, and we just roared, and it was just a lot of fun. We laughed, and <laughs> we threw these dice around. I had a really good time doing that one. Oh yeah, that was a great break from the uh, the depth of trying to rock your brain on Lord of the Rings. Very true. <laughs> and then I guess for Sunday, for me, unfortunately, I had to take a flight to uh, Pennsylvania for work trip. So that kind of ended my trip. But what did you guys do? So there was an after party Saturday night, uh, which you know was just a uh, it was at a local bar and grill. Um, everybody met up, just you know having drinks, eating food, kind of talking with each other, chatting with each other, getting to meet some of the you know, community members, and it was just just a really good time, a really good way to decompress uh, after the, you know, two days of gaming, and we were playing a really, really fun, just kind of party game where the people who organized the, the Count of the Rings had this game where they, there were stickers 
and they would put a name of a character or like a key phrase or a location from the Lord of the Rings and, and they put it on your back, right? And then you'd have to ask yes or no questions to everyone around you to figure out like who you were, what you were. And that was really fun to kind of, you know, just in a, a fun spirit to test your, your knowledge of the lore. That sounds awesome. Uh, so what did you guys do uh, Sunday? Well, Sunday, I actually didn't get back to the con again. My family life started again. So I did. I, I had to become dad and husband, so I was actually out of the con on Sunday. So I returned to the world of the living. <laughs> what about you, Rob? Could you extend your fun another day? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we started a little bit later on Sunday because um, the lack of sleep and all the excitement was starting to catch up with us. But we just we didn't end up playing the the main event quest that day but we showed up i think at like you know 11 o'clock played a few more quests with some friends uh all dream chaser quests just just you know kind of took it easier not worried so much about the achievements and just you know more on just like having a fun relaxing game with with some friends before we headed out and so yeah that kind of wraps up our con of the rings experience I want to know what you guys think. Uh, Rob, you first. What do you think of the Con of the Rings and maybe a little bit of Lord of the Rings as it stands today? You know, in in general, like I said, I've got a, a pretty you know strong background in in competitive gaming and and events. You know, I'd go to regionals and I I typically would do pretty well, but uh, you know, I was always I always felt like something was lacking whenever I'd come away from these large events and conventions for competitive games. And Con of the Rings is the first, you know large event or convention I've gone through for a competitive or excuse me for a, a cooperative game and you know it really delivered on the experience that everybody talked about for these other games but that I never really quite got from them uh, just the community so great and everyone's there just primarily to have fun you know uh, and it's just it's just a blast and I can't wait for next year to go back so you are planning to go back if you can, if you can manage it absolutely it's it's definitely going to be the number one event for for me for gaming next year even before gen con awesome love to hear it what were you variant what did you think of con of the rings this was an absolute blast i had so much fun more than that i learned so much about this game i think a lot more than just playing with one person over and over again being able to see all like i said before all these different card decks being able to talk to people i was sitting next to people i didn't even know and then later found out they're big members of this community that know so much about this game like i'd be playing something be like be pointing to the card and be like well, don't uh, let that guy do that, or it could be real bad for him. Like, oh, okay, that's real good to know. I mean, he had so much wealth of information just to tell me about what I was doing. So learning things from all these different players was amazing. Trying all these quests that, of course, I'd never heard of was awesome. That siege was incredible. Just looking back and forth at me and Steve, we were going, Steve, are we going to make it through this? I don't know. We'll give it a shot. It was just so fun. Knowing that each person had their own thing they had to do, and if any of that fell at any time, it could just spell disaster for everybody else. So it just shows how much of a cooperation game this is. So it's just, I, I had a blast. I'm going back next year. I hope that I get to spend the time with you guys because it was so much fun to do. Wow. I'm glad to hear that because I was a little worried that you play, what, two games of this and went to a con? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the fact that you're willing to come back in another year is a, is an awesome thing to hear. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the community itself. If this community was kind of a bummer community, I don't know how much more, how much fun you could have just playing it. But the community, like we've said, just talks to each other. They share things with each other. They're all excited for this game, and so that gets me excited. If you haven't noticed, I kind of get excited playing games. So if everybody else is excited, I get excited, and it's just so much fun to keep on going. 
Yeah, I, I will echo your guys' thoughts too. The community is what really makes this game or this convention shine. Like everyone's super friendly. They're very knowledgeable about the game for the most part. I mean, there's some new players too, but I mean, everyone will come and out and help you with if you're new to the game. It's not a big deal at all. Seeing the community members there that they are so supportive, they go out and create custom cards and all these all this swag, then they're willing to, to just share it with everyone. Great time. I mean, they the community holds holds us up, and the game is fun to boot. I love this convention myself. I will say that next year I hope to have a custom card to give everyone that I play a game with. Ooh, can't wait to see it. Is this gonna be a surprise, or are you gonna leak it here? Uh, well, you know, I've talked about it a little bit in the channel. I've I've been doing some custom alt arts, but uh, I did some cosplay, and I was specifically cosplaying as a card. So we'll see if it's a custom alt art or if it's a goofy cosplay alt art of me. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I love it when they send. <laughs> it sounds just sweet. You got to make the cart, and I got to see it. <laughs> I love it when people have cosplay of cards and they take their pictures and put in the cards. It's amazing every time. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Rob, for joining us, and thanks, Baron, for coming back on the episode again to talk about Con of the Rings. Hey, thank you, Steve. It was a blast to talk with you about my favorite game. Well, thank you, Steve, for having me. It's always a blast to be here, and you know I'll be on anytime you need me. Awesome, guys. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, Brian Franklin, Daniel, and Rich Hickey, all co-op lovers. Thanks so much for your support. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another Top 5 list. I thought it was... <laughs> wow, okay, that was, that was fantastic. <laughs> I only have one deck that I would consider really <laughs> playing very much. Uh, I actually brought it to the con. I brought it, what, the Aragorn, Arwen, and uh, Glorin... Glorfindel. Okay, Let, let's try that again so I don't look like a moron. I only have one deck that I really have built right now. It's the same one I kind of brought to the con. It has the Aragorn, Arwen, and Glorfindel. Okay. Wow, okay. Glor... Glorfindel. Glorfindel. All right. You got it. I'm welcome. Okay. Let's see here. I love it. That's a blooper. <laughs> that, 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 right there. Oh, you got to get the best one. All right. Uh, what did you say? You said, oh, thanks for having that. It's always a blast to be here, Steve. I always... How come I can never wrap the show up? It's always just terrible. <laughs> Hey, thank you, Steve. It was a blast to talk with you about my favorite game. So it's always a blast to meet you. Oh, you know what? Screw it. I'll do it at the end. I can't, I can't think of anything. <laughs> Let me try. All right, here we go. Ready? Here we go. This is for real this time. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the next stop. Run on that. Run on that. Run on that.